Okay, good morning and welcome back. Thanks for listening. Uh, today is Wednesday, February 10, uh, moving into Chinese New Year here in Taiwan. And this will be the last talk in this little series of Apotheosis, Transfiguration, and uh, Chinese Zhenren. And last time <clears throat> I read muchly on the Wikipedia page on Zhenren with the etymology of the character Zhen, its history, uh, the radicals or components of the ancient character for Zhen that was used uh, originally in uh, Taoism, in uh, Zhangzi, Lao Tzu, and 2,500 years ago. Uh, as um, a depiction of the perfected being, uh, as well as I would say the attitude of a spiritual seeker or us seeking to continue learning, growing, and helping. Uh, so what I will do is just first make some overall concluding remarks and pulling things together. Then I want to read a couple of uh, passages from the Taoist uses of the term Zhenren. Uh, from that same Wikipedia page, and then make final concluding remarks. Uh, so, <clears throat> so to some degree, the discussion of apotheosis and transfiguration uh, is a, a discussion between Roman Catholic and Eastern Orthodox ca uh, Catholic lineage, the two lineages, and the degree to which they... Um, understand that transfiguring light or what I think is quite comparable to contact with intelligent infinity, the degree to which it's possible for anyone versus the transfiguration of Jesus on Mount Tabor as available only to him. And <clears throat> clearly we saw that Roman, Western Roman Catholic uh, does seem to focus more on crucifixion and uh, it seems to me obedience and grace as the way to salvation. While the Eastern Orthodox has a very active uh, monastic, mystic uh, tradition that is particularly centered on Mount Athos and the different monasteries there. That's where you get St. Savas of Vatopaidi and his story uh, his, you know, about a thousand years ago, <clears throat> and his asceticism or uh, denial of bodily needs, seeking transfiguration, actually, seeking uh, to be one with God or receive the Christ light, to purify himself by uh, harsh austerity, is not so different than. Uh, Hindu yogis doing similarly. Uh, in Buddhism, uh, the Buddhist perspective on asceticism is a little different. Um, it was actually considered a, an ascetic type. There were 13 practices called Dutanga, Tutanga, Tutanga, Dutang uh, in Pali and then in Thailand. They still do some of them or do them. Uh, which were considered directly counteractive to tendencies of the three unwholesome roots or three poisons, grasping, aversion, ignorance, or desire, greed, and anger, aversion, temperament. Uh, 
and basic befuddled mind or um, foggy thinking, foggy mental condition is another way of looking at those three unwholesome roots, three poisons. And the, the ascetic practices were meant against that, <clears throat> but not seen as some kind of an end in, of, in and of themselves. Uh, it's sort of like uh, the work is not... Um, the, the work of attaining enlightenment, complete and perfect awakening, is not a measure of how harsh and self-denying one is but a measure of the degree of purification of harmful tendencies and, um, you know, all the, the facets of the Eightfold Path, particularly right view and then right conduct, right meaning right action, right livelihood, right speech, um, leading to prolonged meditative practice and samadhi and then insight, prajna, panya, wisdom, awakening, realizations, of the nature of phenomena, um, realizing tat or suchness, um, which is not much different than satchit or awareness of uh, reality beyond mental fabrication. And ultimately in Buddhism, this is beyond the arising of perception and subjective consciousness. So it's pretty uh, magnificent, the nature of the realizations. Uh, transfiguration that happened to Jesus, whether that can or can't, you know, whether the doctrine, uh, Catholic doctrine allows it to happen to the individual or not. Clearly, uh, I'll go with teachings of Buddhism and the raw material saying that anyone can achieve contact with intelligent infinity um, if they have done the sufficient work. And that in and of itself, doesn't purify the seven chakras, or the particularly lower chakra blockages are cleared, not fully, obviously by that. Even six chakra activation and meditation, Ra said, doesn't fully clear lower triad blockage, meaning there are people, and we can see examples of that, where people do a lot of practice, or they have spiritual power. They have some magical abilities, cities they can read mind, or they can... Um, materialize objects, <laughs> they can uh, do magic of one sort or another, but they, uh, you know, are, are still selfish in various ways, or they've even had first-level awakening in Buddhism, Sotapanna, which obviously involves a lot of six and seven chakra activation and coordination, or contact with intelligent infinity and uh, shuttle gateway six to seven, um, while they still have grasping and aversion, and that's just normal, and that's understood in Buddhism. First level awakening is not the full purification of conduct or morality or mind. It's just a step. It's just one of the four stages. The Christian tradition, um, I think, suffers, the Catholic tradition, I think, suffers from a limited cosmology and suffers from um, lack of grappling with the intricacies of reincarnation or reincarnation and, and multidimensional rebirth. <clears throat> they don't really seem to look into it. Uh, and therefore, you've either got a, a Western Roman Catholic doctrine that seemed, that, that has the view that Yeshua was the one and only Son of God who didn't attain by way of human seeking for liberation and purification, but um, God gave it to him, or he 
was uh, God incarnate and um, didn't come in uh, to to show the way of attainment, but rather to show a one-shot release from what? From uh, this world, uh, which looks just to me like harvestability to four density, which I think we've covered endlessly here. And so I think the cosmology suffers. And then while Eastern Orthodox doesn't really have the view of reincarnation either, uh, they seem to be putting into practice some of those early church fathers' teachings how apotheosis or deification or making man God was, uh, was shown by Yeshua and available to all. And so <clears throat> becoming sons by participation. Uh, Saint Maximus the Confessor, deification is the encompassing and fulfillment of all times and ages. Uh, basically this, this same old idea. He was made man that we might be made God. Well, that's called, uh, that's done by transfiguration, by tr- purification. And that's not holy grace, that's works. <laughs> that's the person. Not everybody. Grace is available to all, but some don't get it, or most don't get it. Most don't have awakening. Most don't have transfiguration or ecstatic experiences of non-duality. Um, because they haven't done the works needed to get the grace, it seems to me. So how anybody could believe that you can get to salvation or purification or complete awakening development by grace alone, not works, I don't get it, actually. And so I think there's some strange beliefs uh, in Catholic doctrine, both Roman Catholic and Eastern Orthodox Just like this whole thing about Hesychast controversy. Is it uncreated light? Is it created light? Does it mean that Jesus is not the Son of Man? Could it only happen to him? There's a lot of trouble that they give themselves by, um, by, I think, an inadequate understanding of of human nature. You know, there's the the Eastern understanding right from the earliest days of... um, Vedantic yogis in the forest uh, 3,000 years ago uh, when the Vedas were originally being formulated three, 4,000 years ago. Um, these guys already understood that human potential is um, divine and therefore uh, the individual can return to source. Uh, and a guru may help and practice usually is necessary um, and my guru maybe have attainment, but I'm not going to found my religion around my guru. <laughs> I'm going to found my religion and my practice around the teachings that got him to be that level uh, called guru or attainment or uh, uh, one who's finished the path. And so <clears throat> it's it, it, very interesting. There's a whole lot of celebration of the other in the Western tradition or or both Roman Catholic and Eastern Orthodox feast days for saints. Well, <clears throat> uh, okay, so I guess in Hindu or in multiple Hindu traditions, yeah, there are celebration days for ancient teachers. <clears throat> There's one day a year called Buddha's uh, Parinirvana celebration. Or this, you know, in Buddhism, there is celebration of Gautama's birthday and 
uh, attainment of uh, Nibban Day, and so whenever that was imagined to be, I think they're on full moons in the first part of the year, and his death day or day of you know, leaving the, the incarnation. Uh, but that's it. <laughs> there's no celebration of Shariputra. There's no extended um, focus upon the, the personality. And I think the Western seems to be a little bit more of a... They, they suffer from some kind of personality cultism where Jesus is seen as um, the most important figure in the universe. And uh, we worship him rather than do inner transformation. And you, worship is not, not a heck of, you know, it depends, right? But commonly, worship um, is only moderately self-transforming, while praxis, some technique of mind training, commonly towards, you know, from concentration to stillness and awareness unbound, um, ever stilling further, <clears throat> and and leading to all sorts of expansions of consciousness, uh, that's transformatory or transformational. And worshipping somebody else's birth or death or life um, is of limited value, I think. And it leads to this focus on the, sa- the Savior rather than save yourself. And the whole Western situation, the, the three Western religions, Judaism, Catholicism, Christianity and uh, Islam, seem to be very other-focused on deity as salvation. And the yogis in the forest 3,000, 4,000 years ago didn't have that view. The guru was important, or wonderful, beloved, but <clears throat> the religion was not of him. It was of what he's, what he's realized, the path that he's supposedly, presumably, completed. And so, even the Christian notion of being made God from, from you know, the, the very hard, hard hitters of the early days, as Irenaeus, Athanasius, um, Thomas Aquinas, make men gods as apotheosis. Uh, a similar experience to Yeshua on Mount Tabor having transfiguration. Even that is not well defined. What do you mean, become gods? They don't know, because they don't have um, much of a metaphysical cosmology, a metaphysical ontology, the nature of being, according to a metaphysic. It doesn't seem to me, or maybe there is there, but I don't know it. I guess theologians know have access to much more than, than we here. But progressive self-transformation over multiple lifetimes and multiple dimensional uh, placement, rebirth, doesn't seem to have any bearing on the Western tradition's view of salvation or being made bad, being made God, man-made God. And I think that's a huge shortcoming, really. <clears throat> so, uh, and somebody said that uh, she had a sort of a... <laughs> a uh, sent dramatic feeling of sensory release or... Um, ease going from the western to the eastern in a previous class and uh, so we can do that again and let it go the western way um, which I think uh, is ultimately Martian centered it's good for Martians uh, ex-Martians 
Um, not necessarily so good for six, fifth, sixth density, fourth, fifth, sixth, fourth or fifth or sixth density wanderers. I think the Eastern approach um, is a lot less rigid and um, tender and less brutal. There's a certain brutality to Western religion, it seems to me. And that's the Martian uh, basis, perhaps. In any case, in the final section on today's uh, conclusion of this series, reading Taoist uses of Zhenren, just a couple of long quotes I'd like to present from particularly one of the, the, the best translators of uh, Chongsu is, is Burton Watson. So what Arthur Whaley is for the Tao Te Ching, Burton Watson is for Chongsu. Chongsu being uh, the second in command in the Taoist, traditional Taoist, philosophical Taoist hierarchy. Philosophical Taoism is not about Qigong and Tai Chi. It's not about sexual tantra and manipulation of breath and fluids and all that. It's really, um, in turn, you know, Ra said begin and end in the creator, not in technique. It's non-technique, uh, philosophical all the way, top-down, um, purify view, uh, spiritualize mental view and opinion and perspective, and uh, that will affect and seed um, uh, balance and clarity and harmony, love, wisdom, into lower levels of personal mind and body and conduct and life expression. Top-down way of transformation, which is complementary to the bottom-up, which is technique, which is useful. But this is uses of the term Zhenren from Zhuangzi, particularly translated by Burton Watson. So let me... <clears throat> See how we're doing here. Uh, let me direct your attention to that and just do some straight up reading here from Wikipedia on Taoist uses of Zhenren. While the Tao Te Ching has the first occurrences of Jun, true or real or upside down, <laughs> eye concealed man or person, Zhuangzi, the, the Zhuangzi, which the means the book of him, Zhuangzi. Lao Tzu, Zhang Tzu, Tzu is a honorific. The Zhang has the first recorded uses of Zhenren true person, all right, whatever, whether it's true or real person. So Zhen is in Tao Te Ching, but Zhenren is in Zhang Okay, later Zhenren meanings or usage are found in Buddhist and other texts. So the first use of the term Zhenren, not just Zhen in Zhang the section on Zhangzi. The Zhangzi, 3rd to 2nd centuries BCE, so about 2200 years ago plus, has 66 occurrences of Zhen, 19 of them in the compound Zhenren. Burton Watson translated, translates it as true man. Very simple, traditional way. True man, which doesn't mean male genitals. He translates it as true man and notes, quote, another term for the Taoist sage synonymous with the perfect man or the holy man, the most descriptive Zhenren passage repeats it nine times. And this is the passage I want to first read, number six. It may be chapter six. So first of all, he's a traditional translator of the caliber and uh, classical training of Arthur Whaley, Burton Watson. I read him in the 80s, 
and a great guy, good stuff, Columbia University again. And <clears throat> uh, number one, he just says, true man, <laughs> not worrying about gender politics. Number two, he says it's synonymous with perfect man or holy man, which is a different term. It's sort of shen ren, not jin ren, so S-H-E-N rather than Z-H-E-N. Different sound, different word, man. But he calls it synonymous. And roughly, I think it's that that's absolutely correct. <clears throat> uh, the, these guys were not splitting hairs too much, um, but just giving the simple straight definition. And you can work with it yourself. <laughs> He's not going to hold your hand and tell you eight different options or try to work with um, misunderstanding before it arises. So... <clears throat> From chapter 6, I believe, Burton Watson, translating Zhuangzi, quote, There must first be a true man or a zhenren before there can be true knowledge. What do I mean by zhenren? The zhenren of ancient times did not rebel against want, did not grow proud in plenty, and did not plan his affairs. A man like this could commit an error and not regret it, could meet with success and not make a show. A man like this could climb the high places and not be frightened, could enter the water and not get wet, could enter the fire and not get burned. His knowledge was able to climb all the way up to the Tao like this. The Zhenren of ancient times slept without dreaming and woke without care. He ate without savoring and his breath came from deep inside. The Jenren breathes with his heels. The man of the mass of men breathe with their throats. Crushed and bound down, they gasp out their words as though they were retching. <clears throat> Deep in their passions and desires, they are shallow in the workings of ten heaven. The true man, the Jenren of ancient times, knew nothing of loving life, knew nothing of hating death. He emerged without delight. He went back in without a fuss. He came briskly, he went briskly, and that was all. He didn't forget where he began. He didn't try to find out where he would end. He received something and took pleasure in it. <clears throat> he forgot about it and handed it back again. This is what I call not using the mind to repel the Tao, not using man to help out heaven. This is what I call the Jenren. This was the Jenren of old. His bearing was lofty and did not crumble. He appeared to lack, but accepted nothing. He was dignified in his correctness, but not insistent. He was vast in his emptiness, but not ostentatious. Mild and cheerful, he seemed to be happy. Reluctant, he could not help doing certain things. Annoyed, he let it show in his face. Relaxed, he rested in his de, or virtue. Tolerant, <clears throat> he seemed to be part of the world, towering alone, he could be checked by nothing. Withdrawn, he seemed to prefer to cut himself off. Bemused, he forgot what he was going to say. Therefore his liking was one, and his not liking was one. His being one was one, and his not being one was also one. In being one, he was acting as a companion of heaven. In not being one, he was acting as a companion of man. <clears throat> when man and heaven do not defeat each other, then we may be said to have 
the Dunran. And therefore I thereby have I decided the next section, the next uh, series will be the Tongsu. Straight up reading from Burton Watson, which I have an ancient translation of available here and online still. I can show you. So that's what we'll do. <clears throat> when we get to it next week or after, I will do a reading of the Chongsu, and we'll just see how far. It's a long book, <laughs> but we'll see how far. Some of it is very <clears throat> fanciful. Some of it is deep. Some of it I might not agree with. Uh, some of it uh, doesn't seem to apply. Some of it seems perfect. So, uh, the Jenren, true man, um, he can be with people, he can be alone, he can go with things without struggle, even if he knows they're distorted. He can reject something without hate, he can accept something without grasping. Um, But this first line is critical, there must be first a Jenren before there can be true knowledge. So you've got a lot of people today in the marketplace of ideas, in the public commons, uh, who have lots of opinions. And some agree with this, and some agree with that, and some are, I think, brilliant, and some are totally confused and distorted. But are they, is any one of them committed to self-purification, self-improvement, development of love, wisdom, and and total (laughs) self-transformation? Not many, not many, not many people voicing opinions freely and commonly clashing, um, have a commitment to self-purification, self-development, knowing, yes, I have a long way to go, a long, 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 long way to go before complete and perfect development. And um, many, many, many are ahead of my, of I on the way. And even this I is not what it appears to be or seems to be. So we've got much to learn, and I don't want to get stuck or I want to recognize when I'm stuck in anything, wrong view or distorted opinion or harmful tendencies or grasping an aversion that I that I know is not helpful. There's grasping an aversion that uh, we don't necessarily want to drop right now, <laughs> you know. Uh, we We have worldly tendencies, and we also have uh, preferences and we have our own ways of our, our ways of thinking and feeling and being and acting and valuing that from an ultimate view may be distorted um, or are but um, I, I'm okay with that at the current time I'm okay carrying some distortion in my bag with me uh, it doesn't weigh that heavily this kind of thing. So I think we have to be honest about that. But um, yet, um, there is a desire to continue learning, growing, helping. And there are very, very few people in this world who have a desire to learn and grow and help. Continuing desire to learn and grow and help. That's a big problem. Or that's why they're enslaving. They're being enslaved and mind-controlled increasingly. Because they're not committed to their own continued learning, growing, helping. Helping of other. So... That's what happens. So in any case, we can see what, what the Taoist conception of Jenren is to some degree. Here are some other passages and commentaries going on. Guo Shang, uh, death 312 CE, so about 1700 years ago. 
the earliest known Zhuangzi editor and commentator, explains this passage, and he said, translated by Coyle, Arthur Coyle. Uh, this may be a very ancient translation from Coyle. I don't know if it really was from 1998, as it's shown. Uh, Coyle translates Guo Xiang on Zhuangzi passage as this. The Zhenren unifies heaven and man and levels the myriad extensions. The myriad extensions do not oppose each other, and heaven and man do not overcome each other. Thus, being vast, he is one. Being dark, he is omnipresent. He mysteriously unifies the other with his own self. And so, he can. He knows the abs- He knows the two truths. He knows the absolute and the relative because he's made himself capable of the knowing. The absolute being non-dual, anicca um, impermanence, and beyond that, insubstantial, insubstantiality or emptiness. Things are not as they appear, nor are they otherwise. He knows that. He knows the relativity of language and description and naming and the limitation of the whole realm of Nama Rupa. You know, I say this and you say that, and this is better and this is worse and this is lower and this is higher. Uh, the relative value of that, he knows. Um, he knows the raft as the raft, and he knows uh, what it's like to not need the raft of teaching and, and self-improvement. And uh, the origin and the destination are known or not known, but in either case, he's fine and can be with the human in the relative and be alone in the absolute, or be alone in the relative, I presume. I don't know. I'm not there. But um, he, he, can, he can be with others uh, without losing himself, but without going against them. Now, what about if they're making trouble? Well, <laughs> I presume he'd either go against them or he'd withdraw, but this doesn't explain everything, and I don't know everything. But... Uh, he slept without dreaming and woke without care. Absolutely, uh, the higher the being, the less um, the less turbulent the nighttime dreaming situation is, and goes to less and less need for psychologically based dreaming. I mean, as the mind gets clearer and clearer, generally, from what I've experienced, and this is not the final answer, um, there's less dreaming occurring because there's no need for the psychological level of dreaming because the lower triad condition is mm, cleared enough, not fully cleared, but uh, not heavily blocked. But then, of course, it depends on life catalyst and all sorts of things. But as a rule, it seems to me that the more evolved the being, the less need for dreaming. Then there's out-of-body experience, which is different, and visioning and all the other inspirational dreams, which are a different type. Slept without dreaming and woke without care ate without savoring, and breath came from deep inside, breathes with his heels. The mass of men breathe with their throats. That is literally experienceable, breathing from your feet or your heels or your toes or the lowest level. When the pranic channels are cleared from nose to heel, um, it can be felt. And so it is true. Lots of people breathe with their throats. Lots of people have a rapidly vibrating upper diaphragm, um, upper above the, the breasts or the chest, and are not breathing from below diaphragm, which is doable, which is associated with um, greater peaceful mind 
and greater clearance of lower triad blockage. Again, commonly, you know. <laughs> so, uh, but this this point of um, there's got to be true knowledge. You've got to be a, there's got to be what um, one has to be made right or correct before one can see and know deeply. You know, one must be capable of seeing before the seeing, and anyone seeing and speaking and opinion and view and and all that very much depends on how much cultivation they've uh, developed uh, of the seven chakra system, mind, body, spirit. Going on, Watson's quote, true man of ancient times and true man of old, translate gu zhi zhenren, which Zhuangzi uses seven times. For instance, contrast this with the Shenren, holy person. And for Burton Watson, Shenren and Zhenren were not much different, synonymous. Holy person is different than a true. Again, Ren is person or man. So true man or holy man, which can be female gender too, of course, because we're talking about the race of man. Uh, are, is a true man not holy man? <laughs> is a holy man not a true man? No, I think they're really the same. But there is some subtle difference, yeah. And so we've got two different terms, Zhenren and Shenren, and they can be translated as true man or person or holy man or person, but actually um, I think they're quite synonymous. And so here's a, uh, I think it's from chapter f- 24, Burton Watson of Zhuangzi said, quote, Therefore the Shenren, holy man, hates to see the crowd arriving, and if it does arrive, he does not try to be friendly with it. Not being friendly with it, he naturally does nothing to benefit it. Mm. So he makes sure that there is nothing he is very close to, and nothing he is very distant with. Embracing virtue, infused with harmony, he follows along with the ro- with the world. This is what is called the true man. He leaves Jenren. He leaves wisdom to the ants. He takes his cue from the fishes. Leaves willfulness to the mutton or the lamb. Use the eye to look at the eye, the ear to listen to the ear, and the mind to restore the mind. Do this, and your levelness will be as though measured with the line. Your transformations will be a form of compliance. The Jinren of ancient times used heaven to deal with man. He did not use man to work his way into heaven. The Jinren of ancient times got it and lived, lost it and died. Got it and died, lost it and lived. Medicines will serve as an example. There are monk's hood, balloon flower, coxcomb, and china root. Each has a time when it is the sovereign remedy, though the individual cases are too numerous to describe. Very good stuff. Um, so the Shenren and the Jenren, synonymous enough, I think. Um, uh, is not hankering for popularity, but also wrote here, there's nothing he's very distant with. Now again, you know, the common approach, the meta-analysis reveals that commonly, translator, or people like me, or you, possibly, read a teaching wanting to agree with all of it. We want to say yes, yes, yes. We don't like, I mean, normally, I mean, only certain... Uh, <laughs> thick-headed uh, skeptic 
nihilists enjoy saying no, 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 and fighting. But normally, there is some, I, I find at least, a desire. I want to take these teachings as my guide. I want to take every teaching, any teaching, as my guide. Uh, therefore, I drop a whole lot of stuff that I don't think is suitable or doesn't fit me as a guide. But I can't say that I would take that we should take any teaching fully, give it carte blanche, the white card, uh, that everything, yes, is true, and I'm going to be like that, and they, this guy has absolute truth, and he has absolute truth, and over there there's absolute truth, and all these sources that I'm using with absolute truth, and I agree with everything, and I should agree with everything, because that's just unrealistic and um, unhelpful. It's... Um, there is <laughs> time and place and culture and bias and distortion and individuality in play with the writer, the source, and the translator, and the, how they translate, and me and you, us, right now. And then over time, uh, uh, some people have no problem with this. Some people can be attached to yes, yes. And some people are attached to no, no. Uh <laughs> We don't want yes to override no, nor no to override yes. <laughs> don't, don't let your uh, carefulness override the capacity to simply agree. And don't let the desire to agree override the discernment to say that's off. So, I'm glad to see that I mean, the holy man hates to see the crowd arriving. I mean, I don't, you know, I don't hate to see a crowd arriving for me. It doesn't happen too often. A crowd of ants, for sure, in my bathroom. But, and a crowd of hungry dogs and cats occasionally. I don't really hate to see it arriving. Does that mean I'm not a holy man? Uh, maybe. On the other hand, there's this lat ending phrase, he naturally... Uh, and nothing he's very distant with. So nothing he's very close to, nothing he's very distant with. If you've seen a real teacher, they really are not sentimental and they're not attached to their students. <laughs> and and commonly students go to that teacher and hope the teacher will sort of touch him or her and say, you are special, I've waited all my life for you, you are the one to be my successor, you are so great, nobody sees it but me. And And that almost never happens. And if it does happen, actually, you're probably in trouble because he's probably a charlatan and he's going to hook ya. Hook ya. And so, <clears throat> normally, the righteous teacher um, loves warmly without attachment and values truly without cultivating pride in a student. Um, and as one adept once said, something like, they know you're more developed than you think you are and less developed than you think you are. <laughs> you have blockages that you don't even know about much more than you realize. And you have development that is uh, admirable and real and, and permanent more than you realize as well. So you're more developed than you think and you're less developed than you think. You have more distortions than you realize and you have greater development than you know as well. Okay, that's fair. So, <clears throat> but this, this sort of detachment, this, this is vairagya, right? Uh, renunciation, vira, renunciation of sentimentalist preference, sentimental preference, and a certain clingy attitude. Commonly, the teacher that overvalues the student um, is manipulative. 
and or damaged. <laughs> or just sad and a little lonely and wants a son or a daughter or something. So, uh, but commonly, the guys that are very, very free um, don't make any student feel special. Uh, and they're not into big crowds coming. And if they're into a big crowd coming and more and more money for the temple and the projects, they're a businessman. Businessmen in robes are all over the place, you know. Yellow robes, red robes, black robes, gray robes, white robes. So monastic businessmen in robes uh, proliferate. It's been very common. So, uh, but this, this whole term of this view that he, he's not attached to human and he's not rigidly adverse to human either. He used heaven to deal with man. He didn't use man to work his way into heaven. <laughs> Begin and end in the creator, not in technique. Um, he, um, he wasn't exploitative, exploiting. He didn't exploit. Exploit theory to um, gain followers or exploit respect that, that, that he's being respected to exploit followers uh, to give money or give anything. So he didn't exploit people and didn't exploit his knowledge or wisdom or development for some kind of personal gaining. Because um, as far as I would tell <laughs> his mind, uh, solitude and seclusion was preferable. You know, I mean, Gautama praised seclusion. And like Kagavisana Sutta, the rhinoceros, uh, it was well accepted. Um, you know, if you find someone who's your equal or your better, follow. But if he'll have you. Uh, but if somebody is not, um, better to walk your own way like the rhinoceros. Uh, unless you want to be with them, go, go right ahead. You know, <laughs> no problem. Do whatever you want. But there was a high valuation, highly valued seclusion. Seclusion solitude was highly valued. Now some people get attached and anybody in seclusion who's not doing hard, hard practice, like me, <laughs> and like many who are, have some degree of seclusion, um, will get stuck in certain ways by the, um, the condition, causes and conditions of the seclusion, of course. So I have attachment to seclusion. And uh, commonly people in family life have various attachments to family. Very common. Okay. So <clears throat> that's why mm, living more in solitude, it's very useful to go beyond our fears and our aversion to be with people when it seems right. <laughs> Which can't, doesn't always mean when I want. It may be sometimes when it's needed, even though I don't want. And there's even a line to that here. Um... Uh, mild and cheerful, he seemed to be happy, from the previous translation section. Mild and happy, or mild and cheerful, he seemed to be happy. Reluctant, he could not help doing certain things. Annoyed, he let it show on his face. Relaxed, he rested in his duh. His duh. What do you mean? In his virtue, in his power, dao duh, dao duh. He rested in the um, power... Uh, of virtue, which is transpersonal, not a personal power or virtue, rested in, he rested, um, 
he could rest. <laughs> he could rest his mind-body at least. Because he had sufficient virtue in a human moral moral perspective to be accessing divine power, intelligent energy. Yeah, six chakra. He could rest in some degree of six chakra activation because he had enough virtue and discipline to get beyond harmful ways of lower triad blockage. Ah, so resting in, you know, silence of mind at a steady state or just a quiet mind. It's equanimity. Um, uh, Samatha, tranquility. So tranquility, equanimity, peaceful mind, quiet mind, relaxed person. So he could rest in his virtue or he could rest by the result of his virtue, by virtue of his virtue, by virtue of self-purification, by virtue of mindfulness and careful living, um, trying to not pick up harmful ways and drop or reduce harmful ways when they know they picked them up, he's picked them up. <clears throat> he had enough virtue to be able to rest. Um, meanwhile, he couldn't help doing certain things. <laughs> certain people asked him and he just couldn't say no because, you know, I don't want to do it. I don't think I need to do it. But it's just right to do it. And so he couldn't help doing certain things. At least that's how it looks to me. Annoyed, he let it show in his face. So he may, you know, you may ask him to do something. He doesn't really want to do it, but he will do it. But he's annoyed, so you'll see it. All right, well, baby, take it. You want you want to ask him for something? Well, he'll do it. But he's annoyed because he thinks you should do it yourself. <laughs> and he's annoyed being asked the same question or a question you already have the answer to. Or being pestered, if that's the case. So... Uh, towering alone, he could not be—he could be checked by nothing. Withdrawn, he seemed to prefer to cut himself off, bemused, because he enjoys his own mind. That's called resting in his duh, it seems to me. He enjoyed his mind. That may not be uh, the end of the path, or I don't know. I'm not at the end of the path. But one can certainly enjoy one's own mind when that mind becomes more tranquil with equanimity from lower triad blockage clearance, lower triad clearance. So, bemused, he forgot what he was going to say. So he's a real card. He's so well that he laughs at himself like, ha ha, I don't know what I was going to say. It's not important. <laughs> okay. So, he was a cool dude. And somebody you'd like to hang out with, I would imagine. Now, <clears throat> a couple of others um, going on. Watson's true man of ancient times, meaning Jinren from ancient times, and true man of old, quote, not too different, Jinren of old, Jinren of ancient times, translate Guzhi Jinren, which Zhangzi uses seven times. And so, all right, we read that already. Uh, no, no, no. Yes. Yes, I read it. So... <laughs> I, too, have forgotten what I was going to say or forgotten that I've, in fact, said it because uh, I'm bemused. Anyway, he leaves wisdom to the ants, takes his cue from the fishes. He doesn't sleep with the fishes yet. Leaves willfulness to the mutton, to the lamb, to the young roe. And um, <laughs> it's very interesting. So using heaven to deal with man and not using man to work his way into heaven. Mm useful for contemplation. He got it and lived. The true man, Chen of ancient times, got it and lived. He lost it and died. Got it and died. Lost it and lived. Mm. 
well, he got life or he got the body and lived. He lost the body or the connection to the body and died. He got it, meaning he got um, harmony with Tao or Tao and died. The false died. And he lost what was unnecessary and then lived and walked into a greater transpersonal, a greater non-dual, you know, satchit life. Uh, and so that's very interesting. And finally, there's a comment. Zhuangzi also gets into um, his uh, impermeability to punishment or pain, which is another matter. So Burton Watson, I think chapter 32, 1968, yes sir, translated as, Governing is a difficult thing. To dispense favors to men without ever forgetting that you're doing so, this is not heaven's way of giving. Even merchants and peddlers, excuse me, are unwilling to be ranked with such a person. And although their occupations may seem to rank them with him, in their hearts they will never acquiesce to such a ranking. External punishments are administered by implements of metal and wood. Internal punishments are inflicted by frenzy and excess. Crazy mind. When the petty man meets with external punishments, the implements of metal and wood bear down upon him. When he incurs internal punishment, the yin and the yang eat him up, meaning the body is all terribly distorted physiologically. To escape both external and internal punishment, only the jinren is capable of this. And so, escaping external and internal punishment like the gnarly tree that never gets cut down, the true man, the jinren, only that one can do that. So dispensing favors to men without ever forgetting that you are doing so, meaning um, the human way, this is not heaven's way of giving, Heaven's way of giving, then, we can presume, is to dispense favors to men and forgetting you're doing so, right? To give, this is a classic, you know, teaching in karma yoga, um, be not attached to the fruits of your, do, of your deeds, you know, uh, do without um, attachment to the doer, do without attachment to the consequences of your doing, do purely as best you can, not with an eye to the reward you'd get in the end, nor to uh, yourself as some kind of proud doer. Um, To dispense favors to men while forgetting and then forgetting or naturally forgetting that you're doing so, that would be perhaps heaven's way of giving. And so... um, but it is true that over that, that only Junren who can accord with humans as needed and be very well in solitude as well or also um, could escape external and internal punishment. It, it, but that normally is there are only a few people who have that. Um, Gautama didn't get external punishment. Nityananda didn't get external punishment. They both aged but neither of them got any kind of major beatdown from the society. No scandals, of course. Um, Ramana Maharshi also, uh, Webu Sayadaw also, a, a lot of, you know, the Karmapa, the greater uh, previous Karmapa, no trouble, but they all aged and got sick. <laughs> and that's what it, 
that's part of their path, perhaps. So uh, the last thing I want to read and then wrap up is um, from from a little-known Taoist text called the Wan Zhi. Wan Zhi, their write-up is classic Taoist text, allegedly written by a disciple of Lao Tzu. It was written by a, a guy who read it and did meditation. <laughs> I, I think I can understand that. The text was widely read and highly revered in the centuries following its creation. Um, and then scholars uh, who had even less wisdom <laughs> after uh, 500 years, uh, the 8th century or so, scholars started to just questioning its authenticity and dismissing it for one reason or other. Um, it was not. It, it was a compilation uh, by some guys who uh, were trying to put these teachings into practice, and um, but it's pretty good. So, the final reading on this page, uh, Wenzhi, the little-known Taoist text Wenzhi, Wenzhi, has seventeen occurrences of Zhenren. For example, this context echoes Zhuangzi's six, the first one, defining Zhenren as sleeping without dreaming. Some of it is just a straight-up copy of Lao Tzu Zhongzi, and some of it was these guys' uh, realizations. The Tao molds myriad beings, but is ever formless. Silent and unmoving, it totally comprehends the undifferentiated unknown. No vastness is great enough to be outside it. No minuteness is small enough to be inside it. It has no house, but gives birth to all the names of the existent and non-existent. Real people embody this through open emptiness, even easiness, clear cleanness, flexible yielding, unadulterated purity, and plain simplicity, not getting mixed up in things. Their perfect duh is the Tao of heaven and earth. So they are called real people. Now that that may be Jinren. <laughs> real people. Baby, I'm a real person. Uh, how about Jinren? Jinren knows how to deem the self great and the world small. They esteem self-government. Right? Swa bhava. And disdain governing others. No control, please. They do not let things disturb their harmony. They do not let desires derange their feelings. Concealing their names, they hide when the Tao is in effect and appear when it is not. They act without contrivance, work without striving, and know without intellectualizing. Therefore, Zhenren deliberately return to essence, relying on the support of spirit thus attaining completeness. So they sleep without dreams and wake without worries. Yes, we should read we should read that too. Translated by the famous, I think, Thomas Cleary. Cleary, great, one of the great translators. This is from 91 translation. <laughs> the good stuff, uh, you know, came prior. Now is the time for the bad stuff <laughs> in terms of culture, generally. But some, at least some, some of these classic texts are 20, 40, 60 years, the translations, word 19th, word 20th century. Um, good, good stuff. And so uh, those are other comments on Zhenren. 
And so, and just, just a couple of uh, lines to reiterate and comment briefly on, and then I'm going to close it all up for the series. Uh, Zhen Ren embody this, well, uh, he, he's basically showing how the Zhenren um, emulates the Tao. And so the Tao is, and it acts by way of the. And so then we have the way and its power, the way and its virtue. Translations of Tao Te Ching or Tao Te um, from Arthur Whaley. So Tao Te, the way or the logos. The logos and the way, the word and the way and the logos are okay, I think. Or Paramatman. <laughs> it's really the logos because we're talking about a, a creator, a creative, um, a, a creative source, a source of creation and the laws of creation. So it's not the same as Paramatman or a being in eighth density, but the logos that makes the seven-dimensional octave uh, as a personification of Tao. Tao is sort of the uh, non-personal, uh, a non-personalistic way of saying logos. So Tao, or logos, holds myriad beings but is ever formless, silent and unmoving. It totally comprehends the undifferentiated unknown. So knowing the undifferentiated, not by concept, <laughs> but by satchit. And that satchit obviously doesn't require sankara or vijnana. Of course, satchit ananda, satchit awareness, uh, un, uh, you know, reality awareness or awareness of um, um, uh, phenomena or life or existence or true reality as it really is beyond any distorted overlay or filtered uh, lack of, of perception, deficient perception beyond any separative, beyond any, beyond any um, naming <laughs> our, our mental or individualist process of knowing. Knowing without needing to think, obviously, uh, is, is a tie into that. So, comprehends the undifferentiated unknown. No vastness is great enough to be outside it. No minuteness is small enough to be inside it. No inside, no outside. Has no house. The low, you know, the, the octave is not a place. The octave is a dream. It's a shimmering dream. But for us, it's a house. Uh, so Tao has no house, but gives birth to all the names of the existent and non-existent, right? So it has no rupa, no form, no house, but gives birth to the capacity for our naming, meaning name, name and form, nama rupa. It's the source of Nama Rupa, the source of beings that have a sense of beingness, that have consciousness that can do the naming, and the so-called external environment of dimensionalities and Rupa or form and energy fields and all that, that can be named. Um, then he goes to the level of Jenren, says Jenren embodies this um, no house but the source of all name and form, Real people, <laughs> what a stupid term, huh? How terrible to say real people. Real people, sounds like village people. <clears throat> How about genren? You see, that's a real problem when you use <laughs> translation because it helps and it hurts to say real people. I'm a real person. How about just say genren? 
<laughs> and realize that um, wor- words don't words are very troublesome. <laughs> words can be a big problem. Zhen Ren embodies this through open emptiness, even easiness, clear cleanness, flexible yielding, not rigid yielding, unadulterated purity, and plain simplicity, not getting mixed up in things, not in the thicket of views, and not argumentation. Their perfect virtue is the way of, is the Tao of heaven and earth, so their perfect duh, their way of living, is the Tao of heaven and earth, so they are called Jenren. Jenren knows how to deem the self great and the world small. They esteem Swababa, or self-government, and disdain governing others. So they like autonomy, and they're not into taking yours away. <laughs> they want you to have autonomy too. So don't tread on me, and I'm surely not going to be treading on you. Uh, that is akin to deeming the self great and the world small. The world really is um, the, um, the field of uh, society, culture, interpersonality, um, and it, it, you could, you know, people get stuck on all sorts of things, but without getting stuck on disregarding relationship and disregarding responsibility and disregarding dharma and dumb, you know, you know, doing your dharma, your danda, without disregarding all that, neglecting that and hating it, <clears throat> yet <clears throat> um, there is, a, as I said, the, the higher, greater value of the inner, the inner that goes up, in and up or out and down. If you overvalue the world, uh, which is overvaluing the outer, you'll go down into the world of lower triad blockage or into the world of the first three chakras. And if you are the upside down person or Jinren upside down, meeting the lower with the higher, then you're valuing the way uh, of the inner, which is the higher, green, blue, indigo, you know, mind, spirit, as the means of working with and being in the lower. So, <clears throat> uh, that that's the point about um, deeming the self great and the world small. You can also say deems the transpersonal and the eternal and the spiritual and the essential as great and the outer worldly and world as lesser, lesser value. The, you know, there's greater... Dukkha in the outer, there's greater sukkha in the inner, <clears throat> and the way of, of meeting the outer is with the upper. <laughs> Something like that. So he esteems self-government as self-swabhava, swaraja, swaraj. He is a true swaraji. Swaraji, swa, self or own, raj, kingship, lordship, rulership. That's esteem self-government. Boom, boom. A libertarian. <clears throat> they do not let things disturb their harmony. Uh, meanwhile, people can get stuck if they're trying to stop their natural reaction. They don't let desires derange their feelings. <laughs> Concealing their names, they hide when the way is in effect and appear when it is not. Very similar to when Tao is in the world, the superior man prospers. When Tao is not in the world, the superior man survives. And so... I have to get my lunch. <laughs> and so that'll be the time when we have to end it right here. 
uh, <clears throat> I think that um, from an analysis of um, the experience and the teaching associated with apotheosis from uh, Western Roman Catholic and Eastern Orthodox Catholic, uh, we understand a different view of contact with intelligent infinity from studies on Chenren. We understand uh, what the attitude, uh, a helpful attitude in making one open to apotheosis and transfiguration and <clears throat> continual continuing spiritual uh, expansion, which is a light a, a light filling process. It's an illumination process, illumination of mind, body, spirit, um, with divine light, which is love light, <clears throat> which is healing. Um, and also inspiring the basis of, you know, this is, you can call pranavayu, mm -hmm. um, the power air, the power of the air is appreciated. The power of the air is God's power mm -hmm. beyond any powers and principalities. Those with a little p, but there's the one life. So in any case, I hope this was helpful. <laughs> and I think we will uh, launch into Wenzi and uh, Chuangzi. Uh, in the future. So, thank you again for being here. I hope it was helpful. Please take good care of yourselves. See you next time. And good night. <laughs>